All right, listen, turn to your Bibles to, before it goes completely off the rails. John chapter 2, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. We're in this series, we are in this year of living by faith. And so this morning, I wanted to really focus on the idea of faith for miracles. How many of you know the greatest miracle has been that Jesus has freed us from our sins? But I want to talk about walking in faith for miracles for our life. Not only receiving them, but being the answer to other people's prayers. In John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, it says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, Father, we thank you that you're here. We invite you to allow your word to become rich in us today. May we decrease and may you increase. And everybody said a good amen. The Bible in both the Old and New Testaments are filled with the miracles that God has done. And this miracle of turning water into wine is the first public miracle that Jesus did. I love the conversation between Jesus and his mother. It's extraordinary to actually get to be a part of it and to hear. Mary comes to Jesus and says, listen, I need you to take care of this issue for me. How many of you know when your mom comes and asks you a question, no matter who you are, the response should be positive? Jesus looks at his mother and says, listen, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour hasn't come yet. And I love this. Mary doesn't even entertain the discussion. She just hears what Jesus says, turns to the servants that are there, and tells them, do whatever he tells you to do. How many of you know Mary's like every other mother and in a, just in a stronger way? I love that. This tells me that Mary understood things about Jesus that no one outside of the family really even knew. This lets us know that Jesus had been doing miracles as he was growing up, and Mary knew what he was capable of doing. The Bible says, and lets us remember this was his first public miracle. There are historical accounts of miracles that Jesus did while he was a child. I want to remind you that as Christians, we're part of the family of God. Mary knew Jesus. 
She spent every day with him. She helped raise him. She knew what he was capable of doing. She loved him. And I want to know, do you know Jesus like family, like Mary did? Or do you just know him like a second or third cousin that lives out of state? Is he someone that you've met and you talk with? Is he someone that you talk to once in a while? Or as a believer, are you spending time in prayer with him each day? And do you know him? Mary knew Jesus. She was used to what he was doing. I love what it says in Daniel. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 says, The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I want to say that again. It says the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. When we know our God, we will be strong. You and I will carry out great exploits and we will see signs and wonders following. I want to remind us this morning that what God did in the Bible, he is still doing today. If you believe that, say a good amen. amen. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. The things that he did then, he's still doing now. And much of that work he does through us. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. Jesus is still doing miracles today. As a matter of fact, he's commissioned us to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations. And he said that miracles, signs, and wonders would follow those who believe. Mark 16, verses 17 and 18 says, And these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Listen, the Bible says these signs shall follow those who believe. The word signs is a Greek word that refers to a signature or a seal that was applied to a document to guarantee its authenticity. It was the proof that the document was the real deal. God is saying to us that as we go into all the world and preach the gospel, that the signs are God's supernatural seal and signature and message that follow us to prove that what he says is true. I want you to get this. The Bible says these signs will follow. The word follow means to go somewhere with a person, to tirelessly accompany someone, to constantly be at the side of an individual, to be in close proximity like a faithful companion. So signs, wonders, and miracles are to be so in step with us and the message that we preach that it should seem strange to us that we live without these signs. Listen, I want you to get this. Every time we share the gospel, every time we share the good news of Jesus Christ, we should expect these supernatural signs to be with us. 
Turn to someone and touch them and tell them these are to be with you. Go ahead, tell them. You got quiet this morning. Now I want you to hear me. The reason many believers do not see signs, wonders, and miracles is because we see them as an end in themselves. We think that the miracle is all about the miracle. And most Christians, most people, including Christians, look no farther than the miracle. Listen, signs, wonders, and miracles are to the Christian like a screwdriver and a wrench are to a mechanic. These are tools that show people the love of God, the power of God, the goodness of God, and the glory of God. Listen, it's great to see God do these things, but when we make the kingdom of God about these things, we miss the entire point. These things are to point people to God, to point people to repentance, and to point people to the love that God has for us. How many of you are thankful that God loves you this morning? How many of you believe that God still loves people today? I was actually thinking about renaming the portion of our service when we invite people forward for healing. I was thinking about renaming it Tool Time. There's nothing like being healed. There's nothing like being fixed. There's nothing like Jesus making us whole. But the point is to go out and to be what God created for us to do. You see, when you go to a mechanic, you don't rejoice that the car is fixed and then leave it parked. You're thankful that it got fixed, but you go out and you use the car. I want to remind you that when God heals people, it reminds them how much that he loves them and cares about them. If you're taking notes, write this down this morning. One thing that is important to understand is that signs follow those who believe. It's said in that verse, and these signs shall follow those who believe. Signs and wonders don't automatically come just because you're a Christian. Jesus said these signs would simply, did not say these signs would simply follow Christians. He said they would follow those who are actively believing for them. Signs, wonders, and miracles follow those who have engaged their faith and are believing and expecting these things to be manifested through their life just as Jesus said they would. I've many times heard people come to me and say, Pastor, I just don't believe that Jesus can work through me that way, that he won't work powerfully. And I really have no expectation that that's what he'll do through my life. And that's why they don't see things happen. There's no expectation. I want you to, to grasp this. Miracles follow expectation. Those who see miracles have an expectation of God not of themselves. The expectation is that the Lord will do what he has promised. Listen, how many of you believe that you're saved this morning? How many of you believe that you've been set free from your sin? Now, how many of you have ever had days where you just don't feel saved? You ever have days where you feel like that? Ever have a day where you wake up and go, Jesus, how could I even with the things that I'm dealing with, the things that I'm thinking, the things that I'm going through, how I just don't even feel Aren't you glad that it was never about our feelings? 
Signs and miracles are activated by faith. The Bible says we are saved by faith. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. That was like three of you this morning. The just shall live by So when you share the gospel, expect that God's word will work in people's life. When you pray for the sick, expect them to be healed. When you confront a demon, expect that that person who is demonized will be set free. When you're in a situation that requires a miracle, expect that miracle to happen. Listen, if you want to see miracles happen, you have to get Jesus involved. John 2.3 says, When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. She went to Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 19, it says, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Isn't it interesting, the Pharisees were people of the law, they were people of the Old Testament word, and they always loved to be taught, they always to be learned, always wanted to know. And as Jesus was teaching, they had never heard anyone teach like that before, and so they had just piled into this place wanting to learn. You ever notice that sometimes those of us who are wanting to learn kind of keep those who need Jesus from getting through? What I love is Mary didn't wring her hands about the problem of no wine. She took action and went to Jesus. She could have talked to everyone else about the problem she had, and nothing would have ever gotten done. How many of you know that's how a lot of Christians respond today? We just talk about everything that's going on, the miracle that we need, but we just talk about it. We never really go to Jesus with it. If we want to see miracles happen, we need to tell Jesus what we want and leave how it gets done up to him. If we want miracles to follow us, then we need to pursue the presence of God. I want to remind you that there is no such thing as a passive faith. I love these men. These men took their friend to Jesus, and they were so in love with their friend, they so cared for him that they were willing to do whatever it took to make sure that they, he received the touch of the Lord. What I love is this reminds us that the friends and circles that we travel in matter. The Bible never tells us about the paralyzed man's faith, but the faith of the friends. And it was clearly evident. Miracles happen. When we refuse to just sit on the problem and allow it to continue to be a problem. I love that these men went to extraordinary lengths to get this guy to Jesus. They were willing to push through the visible and obvious obstacles to see their friend get a miracle. They risked the opinion of people. 
They risked the disapproval of the removing of the tile from the roof and the fact that they went to the front of the line in front of everybody else. They began to lower them down in front of Jesus while Jesus was still speaking. It really wasn't the most opportune time. All of a sudden, Jesus is in the middle of teaching. Tiles begin to move. Debris begins to fall. And a guy begins to be lowered through the ceiling right to Jesus. How many of you know, listen, we have become so uh, formal in what we do as believers that we've lost our desperation to make sure people get to Jesus. Remember that a miracle is the restoration of the natural through the supernatural. These friends refused to believe that their buddy's condition was the new normal for him. He was just going to have to live with it forever. I found that all too often we're willing to accept things the way they are because that's how the world's conditioned us to believe. But they believed that this man should have the full function of his body restored completely. In Luke 5, 20 through 23 in the NIV, it says, Now Jesus saw their faith, and he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow that he speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, He knew what they were thinking. Get this. In the middle of what was happening, he knew what they were thinking. And he asked them, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say. Your sins are forgiven or say get up and walk. Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. What's easier? We must understand that our desire and pursuit of miracles doesn't bother Jesus because he desires to do them. Jesus, when he saw their faith, said, friend. Some versions say young man, but he didn't call him a victim. He didn't call him a paralytic. He called him a friend. I want to remind you this morning that you are not your problem or your disease. I want to remind you that you are not a bother to God and God does not define you by your weaknesses. He is glad to see you. He doesn't define you by your sicknesses. That's what the world does. What's interesting is that Jesus just looked at him and he called him friend. And the thing that we need to remember as we are ministering the gospel to people around the world and in our own neighborhood and in our workplace is that people aren't a bother to Jesus. And he doesn't define them by what everyone else sees. He loves them. You know that coworker that God's called you to love that you find annoying? You need to look beyond what everybody else sees and bring them to Jesus that one person that's always dealing with sickness, look beyond the sickness. Understand there is a work that goes far beyond what's happening to us in the natural. 
It's interesting that the first thing Jesus does is forgive this man of his sins. This does not mean that this man was paralyzed because of his sin. The whole point of healing, listen to me, the whole point of healing is to remind us of the entire point of Jesus coming, and that is to set people free from their sin. Can I remind us, church, this morning that the greatest healing that someone can receive is the forgiveness of their sin. This is the greatest miracle that Jesus does for anyone. Physical healing and miracles remind us that Jesus has the power to do the greater work, the forgiveness of sin. Next week, we'll be celebrating the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. He came so that we could be forgiven. And healing and miracles are part of the greater work. God calls the church to be effective in sharing the gospel. And signs, wonders, and miracles get the attention of a world that just won't believe what you have to say. They will see when the supernatural is demonstrated in their life and those around them. If you're taking notes, I want you to mark this down. The key to seeing miracles is simple obedience. In John chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Listen, the reason many people do not see miracles is because they do not obey what God tells them to do. How many of you know filling the water pots is pretty simple? I want to ask you, do you do everything that God asks you to do when he tells you to do it? Listen, it took effort to fill 20 to 30 gallons of water pots. It's not like they just hauled this thing over on a dolly, put it in front of a wellhead, and let the water pour in. How many of you know they had to carry water from wherever they got water from and bring it to these pots to fill? It took time. It took effort. Listen, if you want to see demons come out of people, you actually have to do some casting. If you want people healed, you must actually pray for healing by doing what the Bible says, to lay hands on the sick, and then they will recover. Listen, the reason the water turned into wine is because the servants obeyed Jesus. Is there anyone in here this morning who's a servant of Jesus? Three of you? Four of you? Is there anyone in here who's a servant of Jesus? They didn't just halfway fill the containers. The Bible says they filled them to the brim. They weren't half-hearted about their obedience. And because they were obedient, not only did the water turn into wine, it was good wine. It wasn't that cheap stuff that you leave on the table that's like halfway to vinegar. It was the stuff that you save for special occasions. And I just want you to know, just so you're aware, that wine is wine. 
For some of you Pentecostal people who get all a little upset that maybe this was really grape juice, I just want you to know wine, very, its very definition, is wine. That means that it was fermented. Can I just tell you the arguments about that are ridiculous and they're pointless. And Jesus made the wine and the responsibility was on the drinkers to consume it responsibly and to not get drunk. Now that's a whole nother message. How many of you are grown enough to receive that? Say a good amen. Amen. Mark this down. To have faith for miracles, we must understand that the miraculous is often preceded by the ordinary and the mundane. Mary was simply attending a wedding when the need for a miracle arose. Listen, while the wedding was a special occasion, it was just an ordinary day. David was simply taking his brother's lunch when all of a sudden he had the opportunity to take out a giant. How many days or nights did David just sit out in the field practicing with his slingshot? Knocking stones off of the fence post. Just doing whatever he was doing out in the field when all of a sudden there he was finding himself face to face with a huge obstacle. David went from delivery boy to conquering hero in the middle of an ordinary day. Listen, I just want to say that I love David's moxie. He didn't just pick up one stone. In the middle of his ordinary day, he picked up five stones. We find out later that Goliath had four other brothers. That would have been common knowledge. David's instinct was faith and not fear. In the middle of needing a miracle, he decided this. I'm going to pick up five stones. I'm not just going after the one giant. I'm going after the entire family. My goodness, I wish that that kind of faith was part of the body of Christ today. All too often we think miracles happen in the midst of hype. The truth is just the opposite. Miracles happen in the middle of ordinary days. The other day, Dawn and I were here at the church and uh, we were busy getting ready for family to come, so we were just trying to get everything squared away here so that we could take a few days to be with family. And in the middle of that day, someone came in and we had left the door open and a fellow walked on in and he was demon-possessed. And we began to minister. Listen, in the middle of an ordinary day, you can be faced with things that you'll never know. How many of you know that you need to be ready at just a moment to serve Jesus? Hey, listen, listen, we don't have to, I didn't have to get down and do five push-ups. I didn't need to run into the sanctuary and pray for an hour before I began to deal with the man. I didn't have to grab my Bible and read at least two or three chapters so that somehow I got myself worked up to be able to see and be able to deal with someone that needed the help of Jesus. How many of you know you already have the Holy Spirit within you? If you've been saved and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And I don't know if you understand that the Bible says if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He will quicken your mortal body, not just to heal you, but the Bible says by that Spirit that dwells in you. Listen, resurrection power is already in you. Turn to someone and say, it's already there. Go ahead and tell them this morning. In the middle of needing a miracle, Jesus used five loaves and two fish to feed thousands of people. Ordinary things. He prayed over the food. 
And then he began to break the bread and fish and put it into baskets. And it was as they did the distributing that the miracle happened. This had to be exciting to see. And I'm sure it caused a stir. You don't think the disciples were getting jazzed as they know that all they had was five loaves and two fish, and now they're feeding 5,000 people fish and chips with just a miracle. Jesus blessed blessed this, put it in the baskets, and as they kept feeding, more appeared. As they kept going, more appeared. And not only did they have enough to feed everybody till they were full, they had leftovers. How many of you love leftovers? But here's what they did. They simply did what Jesus said. Ordinary bread and fish. And he did exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or think. We must understand that God expects us to do the possible while he does the impossible. He multiplied the food. All the disciples had to do was pass it out. Jesus heals the sick. All he asks us to do is lay on of hands and ask him to do it. What's interesting is most times we expect the miracles to be instantaneous. But many times the miracles happen as we go, like the bread and the fish. As they went, things multiplied. Did you know that Jesus had to pray for a blind man twice? That'll mess with some of your theology. Jesus laid hand on the blind man and he said, what do you see? He said, well, I just see stick figures walking around. He said, well, let me pray again. I don't understand all that. I don't get all that. But the sure has made me feel good that when I've prayed for people and they weren't instantaneously healed, that it was okay to pray again. What I love about this time of year is one of the coolest miracles that I ever got to witness happened, well, probably about 30 years ago. We were in Phoenix, Arizona. We would go into the project areas and we would, we would do sidewalk Sunday school and we would do it for, we would do about three a day. But this year we, we rented a high school stadium and we sent the buses out, and we just brought kids. And I've got to tell you, we were expecting about 300 kids. We had about 1,200 kids show up. It was awesome. They just said, wait to do the program. Wait, we're going back out with the buses. They're lining up to come. Well, we had a wonderful program for them, and at the end of the program, we were doing an Easter candy hunt for them. We had enough candy for 300 kids. And it was cool because we had a couple of these bags, big, you know those big plastic green garbage bags? And we had filled that thing up and we just looked at each other and like, there's just no way we're going to be able to feed them. And so one of our leaders came around, they said, let's pray over the candy. We need something. And listen, how many of you know... We were just young people, and it wasn't like we had a lot of money. Listen, I could have gotten all the money I had. I still couldn't have given candy to 1,200 kids. I was, I was 20 years old. I was broke, flat broke in ministry school. How many of you have ever experienced that? Nick, you've experienced that. So have you, Rosary. Glory to God. 
So nothing we could have done would have ever done it. And we just got in a circle real quick and we prayed. We said, Lord, we love these kids. We know you love them. And it's candy. And it wasn't like we just had all Tootsie Rolls. We had all kinds of candy in there. And I wanted some. (laughs) No one going to get any. So we prayed over that bag. And I got to tell you, we kept reaching and we reached in with buckets. Buckets. And it just kept coming. And it kept coming. And it kept coming. And it kept coming. You want to see young ministers get excited? Listen, God was multiplying candy right before our eyes. I mean, we were taking buckets out, and we were just tossing it for kids. And they were grabbing it all up, and we were reaching in and tossing it out. I said, I want part of that. I got in there and grabbed a couple buckets out, started throwing it out, started throwing it. Listen, you want to see the faith of people begin to grow? At the end of that, we, we, we began to see it multiply. By the time we gave all the kids, they had more than enough. Their parents were just going, please. Don't give our children any more candy. How many of you parents understand that? Probably one of the most exciting days. And here's what we did. Then one lady came up and she said, listen, we, were, we began to share at the end what God had done. And one person came up and they said, listen, they went back and they brought their mother who was dying of cancer. Listen, if God can multiply candy, can he heal my mother? Yeah. We laid hands on her. We prayed over her. I want to tell you, not only were the tears real and wonderful, we got a call a week later. She said, I, I don't know. I am healed. I don't understand it. I don't know that. I went back to my doctor. I am cancer-free. Some of the greater miracles were later that week, some of the gang members that had been bringing their kids. And I want you to know when we were there in Phoenix, we were dealing with the Crips and the Bloods. None of us ever got attacked. We've had guns pulled on us. We had knives pulled on us. Not one of them ever cut us. Not one of them ever shot us because the presence of God was with us. And I've got to tell you, Because God did the miracle in that lady's life, the next Sunday after Easter, some of these hardcore guys got on the bus. And with, and listen, some of them came from Matthew Henson, some of them came from Kofeltz, Crips and Bloods came into Phoenix First Assembly. They came to the altar together. We were standing back there going, I don't even know what's going to happen at the altar, but Jesus better show up so the Crips and Bloods don't fight at the altar of the church. And together we watched as they kneeled and they gave their life to Jesus. And I remember looking at the guy, come on, we give the Lord praise for that. And I said, why? I said, why? What made you come today? Not only did we see God multiply the candy, we saw that Jesus loved us enough to heal. God loves to do big things in the middle of the ordinary. We went into the neighborhood and Jesus did the multiplication. I want you to mark this down, to have faith for miracles. You need to remember what he's done in the past. Over 32 years of ministry, I've seen many miracles. I remember laying hands on one of the girls in our youth group who had been deaf since birth. And now she can hear. 
I've seen God open blind eyes. I've seen God hold back the weather when we prayed. He's healed cancer, tumors, and lungs. I've seen him raise up people that were as good as dead. Mike, we're pretty glad you're alive and with us this morning. How many of you are glad Mike's with us today? The Lord has done financial miracles that have left me absolutely astounded both personally and for the churches that I've served. I've seen marriages with no hope restored. I've seen people gloriously set free from addiction and pain. And I want to say again at this point of the service something I said at the beginning of the service. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the reason that I have faith for miracles because I have seen them happen when others have prayed and I have seen them when I have prayed. The question is, what do you do when you haven't seen miracles happen for yourself? You look to his word. If you need faith for miracles, remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, the miracles that we hear in the Bible are for us today. In John 14, 12, it says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, not yourself, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. I want to read that again. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, listen, not yourself, he who believes in Jesus, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Church, I want to ask you, are you seeing God work through your life powerfully? Are you seeing God use you to work miracles? Do you believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you? Do you believe that that resurrection power that is there to set people free from sin is also there to demonstrate in supernatural ways that God is real? Listen, especially in the days that we live, as we see the way the world is going, as we know that we're heading into the last days of time, as we know that Jesus is coming soon. How many of you believe he's coming soon? Listen, this is the time in the, that we must be fulfilling the Great Commission. But there is a world that is skeptical, that is filled with doubt, that doesn't believe that he is, that would think that the type of message that I'm preaching you this morning is just one of the most weird and out-of-bounds things that they've ever heard because it's not even in their wheelhouse to know. But this is what God has called you and I to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and these signs shall follow those who believe. Can I just remind you, the signs are not just for preachers. They're for you. Tell someone next to you they're for you. And I want to remind you that we're not pursuing miracles for miracles' sake. I've watched through the last several years of pastoring what I like to call miracle junkies. 
They're the Christians that seem to go everywhere where they think they see miracles happening. I got to go there and see it. I got to go there and see it. And they kind of think like if they go somewhere where the miracles are happening, that it's like a snatch and uh, a scratch and sniff sticker. That if they actually go there, somehow a little bit of it will get on them. Listen, can I just tell you, you don't need to be a miracle junkie. The Bible says that Jesus lives in you. Turn to someone and say, he's in you. And he said that these works you will do. You don't have to flock to everywhere else to see that they're, what they're happening. They're happening here. But he said he would do the work through you. You said, did you ever wonder if you prayed for anybody if the thing would happen? Yes, but it wasn't up to me to heal. It's up to Jesus to heal. All I needed to be was obedient. Have there not been, listen, Greg will tell you there were, when we walked into Mike's uh, hospital room, when we went together and the doctor said, Mike will be dead in three hours. Just, you might as well just pray over him and walk away. And I began to pray over his life. Greg began to pray. We began to ask God to do a work. The doctor said, come back and just don't even worry about it. We'll call you within three hours. He'll be gone. Well, you're not gone. Isn't that pretty cool? That's awesome. That's been a long three hours. And now you're not even paralyzed. Glory to God. And you're still helping people as a doctor. Listen, isn't that wonderful? I believe that we've just begun to see the things that God wants to do in our lives, through your life, in the life of this church and in our community. Can I tell you, they tell us that Palm Beach County is one of the hardest areas in all the country to reach with the gospel of Christ. People have a lot of money. They can do whatever they want. They feel they have the answers. But how many of you know they need Jesus? People say, what's the key to helping people who have gated communities and won't even let... Listen, going door to door never worked anyway. But relationship. And when you see, and God does the miracle. Would you stand with me this morning? Whichever song you choose. So we're going to do just a couple things this morning. How many of you believe the presence of God's in this place? The thing that I love about church, you see what you see happen here, you see demonstrated within the family of God so that you know what's possible. And you can move from this place outside the doors of the church and begin to do the work yourself. How many of you believe we have a miracle work in God? Father, this morning we want to thank you that you're here. You've been so good to us. Lord, I thank you that this Passion Week we're able to share the passion with which you've touched our lives. Thank you that you've done the greater work. You've set us free from sin. But Lord, we want to thank you for the miracle work you do by healing our bodies. We thank you that you are faithful. I thank you, Lord, that you are raising us up to be a people of the word who live what you say, demonstrate it for the world to know. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't see miracles as the end. I pray that we would see miracles as the way, as a means to communicating how much you love people. Now here's what I'd like to do.
If you need healing in this place today, God's here to heal. If you need a touch in your body, I know that there have been many needing help with their backs. People have been through different things. If you need healing this morning, would you step out and come to the altar? We're going to do exactly what God has said. We're going to lay hands and pray for the sick. And how many of you believe they shall recover and shall be healed? Listen, don't wait. If you need healing, come on. Maybe you have cancer. Maybe you're dealing with pain. Maybe it's sciatic. Whatever it is, come on. Just move to the front. Come on close to the stage. Come on as close as you can. Come on to the front. I'd like some prayer warriors, some brothers or sisters in the Lord who have faith. Miss Dale, some of you, would you just come and lay hands on those up here? Nick and Roseanne, if you'd like to come stand behind too, please come and help. We're going to begin to pray. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Now, listen, here's what we're believing. After we've prayed today, we're expecting God to do the miracle. It would be really nice if you'd let us know what he's done. I'm sure we'll know. We won't be quiet about it. Amen. Come on, stretch your hands this way and let's begin to pray. Father, thank you for healing in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are good and that you are true. We thank you, Lord, that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I thank you, Lord God, that you take everything that has been happening in our lives and that you are able to do exceedingly above all we could ask or think. In Jesus' name, let the power and work of God come upon your precious people in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God, that sickness must bow at the feet of Jesus, no matter what its name is. Your word says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the name of Jesus, we speak healing and life upon each one now because you are faithful and you are good. And we give you healing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that he who began a good work will finish the work in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God, for straightening this back, bringing peace, taking away pain in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Lord, right now we thank you that everything that we've prayed for, you know. I thank you, Lord, there have been things that were named and things unnamed, but you know each one that is here. Now, your word says to bring every request and to make it known. So, Lord, we've made it known, but your word also says to thank you for the work. I want you, those here, just begin to thank him for doing the work and keeping his word. I thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. I thank you, Lord, that you've healed me. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are touching the bodies right now, that you are bringing an end to this pain. And God will give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we want to thank you for what you've done in this place this morning. We thank you that you're good to us. I pray that each of these that have come here would not just have physical healing. They've been in a battle. And I pray that you would touch them in such a way that there is strength that they know is not theirs. I thank you that they didn't need to dig down deep to find strength. I thank you that they just needed to reach out to you and that you will do the deep work. And Lord, I pray that each of these that are being healed and have been healed will begin to allow that same power that you've worked in them to work through them, 
to be a blessing to others. Lord, as a church, we want to see the people in our city physically see the miracles of God. But we also want them to see the salvation of God. Lord, we love Jupiter. We love Palm Beach County. We thank you for St. Lucie County. and We thank you, Lord Jesus, that everyone that from Martin County, all those that are coming to this church, our prayer is that this Passion Week, this Resurrection Week, that would people would come to know the love and goodness of a Savior and that they would know you personally. Now, Lord, I pray your blessing as we leave this place this morning. May you be glorified. May you be exalted. And, Lord, I pray that you would use us to be a blessing beyond the walls of this church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a marvelous week. We'll see you Wednesday night for regular service at 7, and then Friday night for Good Friday service. God bless you.